Hi everyone, just a short little note here about Snippet Sports Science. As you would have realized, we've had a bit of a double up of a few episodes and what we've been doing is migrating our audio storage from SoundCloud through to Podbean as we feel that's going to be much better for the podcast moving forward. Also, as a result, there's been a lack of new episodes recently. We've just been trying to get this all updated so we're actually all releasing new episodes in one hit. And also Jared's taking a little bit of time out to visit his family in the US. This episode today is uh, I'm interviewing Dr. Chris Back who works at the University of Nebraska. It's not a direct review of an article per se, but rather a great way of seeing how you can apply sports science into an application of the real world in terms of sports. And also towards the end there, we start just talking about the things if you are an aspiring sports scientist or even a strength and conditioning coach of the skills that you will really need to truly transfer that and get the job that you want. So some really great practical advice. As I said, Jared's on a little bit of a break. I'm going to be doing a couple of uh, solo episodes just to keep the content rolling and just to ensure that you stay in tune with uh, some applied sports science. Sit back relax and listen to this one. It's very implied and I'm really appreciative of uh, Dr. Chris's time. Hi everyone, welcome back to Snippet Sports Science, coming to you from the University of Nebraska in the US of A. As you know, this podcast is proudly brought to you by EliteForm.com and I'm actually here visiting EliteForm. And whilst I was with Skip, he took me across to the University of Nebraska, where I've met Dr. Chris Buck, who is the director of Nebraska Athletic Lab. And he just took me around the facility and just really excited about how they've put such a pragmatic facility together, encompassing what we would be reading in journal articles about force plates, biodex, Vicon cameras, although it's all... Qualysis. Qualysis, sorry. I thought this is a great opportunity to talk to someone who's actually applying sports science in that pragmatic way. Um, so welcome aboard, Chris. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Now, a little, uh, maybe an unknown fact, it's quite an infamous surname, Buck. Um, <laughs> you, you, you do have a connection, is that right? I do, I do. I was told uh, he's my sixth great grandfather, even though I have little to no musical talent whatsoever. That's okay, but you, you have your artistic talent. I try to apply it in other ways, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So just to get it started, just a, a little bit of history about yourself and, and, and the journey that's taking you to the position today. And I know when we were walking around, you, sh you were telling me some stories about some great examples. So perhaps how you're able to, to bring some of your great facilities here and use it for your athletes. Yeah, so I guess I've got a little bit of a diverse background. You know, the term sports science that everybody talks about now, I'm not really even sure what it means anymore. I think you have people coming from so many different areas. It could be strength and conditioning focused, physiology focused, nutrition focused, biomechanics, whatever it might be. My undergrad I did in biochemistry, cellular and molecular biology at the University of Tennessee. Then I moved on to do a kinesiology master's where I started off in biomechanics. I did that for a year and then took, I was really fortunate to take a class with a certain professor at Tennessee in exercise physiology. It just happened to work out at the exact same time I was training for an Ironman. So I kind of fell in love with the physiology side of things and decided to switch over to that area. After I did my master's in that, I moved to Florida State University where I studied exercise physiology with a concentration in sports nutrition. 
down there, and then I moved to the University of Nebraska to work here in the performance lab as a postdoc. Let's see, I guess that was about back in 2016. I'm fortunate enough now to be in the director role here, and we're incredibly fortunate for the amount of resources that Nebraska has put into the student-athlete experience here, and the lab is certainly an example of that. So you want to just elaborate a little bit of what the lab contains when you know, if we go for an audio tour of it, uh, just, just quickly some really cool stuff that you've got integrated into your facility. Yeah, so we have a 25,000 square foot performance lab here where we have our own bioscience lab here in house where we primarily do salivary work. We have the capabilities to do blood and urine and test for different biomarkers in that sense. We have our DEXA here. We've got a full-blown motion capture system downstairs as well with three different three different playing surfaces. So we have a Mondo track. We have a basketball court or a half-court basketball court, excuse me. And then we also have a turf. So we can kind of see how the athletes would perform in their natural environment, if you will. So they can wear cleats or spikes or basketball shoes. And we can kind of get a little bit more sport-specific assessment of their movement. With that, we have 12 force plates embedded in the ground, as well as just a bunch of other different technologies here and there to really use at our disposal to try to answer the questions that are being asked by the coaches. And I think that's the key is it all starts with the question that's being asked first. And you were saying, was it different when before you came on, the, the approach, the philosophy of, of the lab? Yeah, I think when the lab was originally built, it was primarily designed to be more of a research-focused lab. We've tried to really take it and have it be a, flip that on its head and have it be a performance-focused lab now to where really the way I see us is we're practical problem solvers. And, and I should take a step back here and talk about our team. Our team is a team of about five sports scientists now from all different backgrounds. So we have a motor control, motor learning specialist. We have a biomechanist. We have myself being more of the physiology and nutrition side of things. We have a developmental psychologist who runs our bioscience lab. And then we also have a biosystems engineer as well. So basically we do that so we can kind of look at performance through multiple lenses and you know make sure that we're kind of leaving no stone unturned when it comes to performance. Using that approach, so you have an athlete, athlete A would come in to, to see you with Coach B. And so kind of run us through the, the, the process that would happen. Well, yeah, like I said, I, I kind of see us as practical problem solvers. We have to start with the question. What question is our coach asking or our athletic trainer, or our strength coach? What question are they asking? And then how can we put our minds together, our research backgrounds together to best answer those questions? I think too often people just get caught up with the technologies that are out there in sports science and they almost start with the technology and then ask the questions. Whereas in my opinion, I think it has to start with the question and then, okay, what, what modality do I need? What technology or testing equipment do I need in order to best answer that question? So really, it's I'm going to give you the, the prototypical science answer. It, is it, it depends. Yeah, um, sure. It depends on what they're coming to us for. So it could be a return to play scenario with an athlete coming back from an ACL and maybe doing a little bit more sport-specific movement to further aid the athletic medicine staff to kind of take a little bit more guesswork out of the process for them. It could be kind of a performance area. Let's take a look at their technique coming off the starting blocks and track or 
something along those lines. And most of the time when athletes get injured or they've got an issue or a question needs to be answered, most of the time we solve it with something that's physical. Has there been any breakthroughs with using the psychologists or that's of a non-physical nature? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I already talked about our team a little bit here, but I think the field of sports science is collaborative by nature. And I've really tried to make sure that this lab is collaborative by design as well. I think in order for us to do our jobs well, we have to be able to communicate effectively with coaches, athletic trainers, strength coaches, nutritionists, and as you mentioned, psychologists. So we have four full-time sports psychologists on, on our staff here, and we work very closely with them on primarily things sleep-related. Sleep is a huge issue in collegiate student-athletes due to all the different demands that they have on their time from not only the, the academic side of things and the training side of things, but also social lives and all the life skills and all the different things that pulling them from every direction, I guess. So we absolutely collaborate with sports psychology quite a bit, actually, on, I'd say primarily it's sleep at the moment and try to address it. Maybe it's more of a sleep hygiene issue or potentially it could be more stress anxiety related just to make sure we're tackling it from the right angle. Yeah, it seems to be quite a hot topic at the moment, sleep hygiene and use of digital screens and so forth. And I guess also with the academic side as well, that must be an issue because a lot of the work's now done on computers. Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, the NCAA did a, a poll, I believe it was in 2016 or 2017, and the number two complaint was lack of sleep. Number one was a sense of feeling overwhelmed, and number two was a concern of lack of sleep. Yeah, and I think also, like, you know, when you look at like the big rocks, you know, sometimes we try and delve into what's your saliva testosterone doing in response to a training session when you just need a bit more sleep. I guess you need to eat well and one thing I have noticed around here, there's three different campuses, is that correct, in terms of different sports and there's a nutrition bar pretty much in each one, is that right? Yeah, I mean, sports nutrition is a huge thing that we do here. We actually just got a new director of sports nutrition here and Dave Ellis and he's kind of really changed the way I think that this athletic department thinks about nutrition in a positive way to really make sure that that is one of the foundational pieces of things that we have going on around here. But yeah, so we kind of have a few different facilities. Most of them are located here. And I guess the, the central basis would be the Memorial Stadium or the football stadium. Uh, but there are, there's the Devaney Center as well as the Dillon Tennis and Soccer Complexes of just within maybe a mile here of the campus. So I've just gone for a tour of the facility and mine kind of blown in terms of like, <laughs> Just really beautiful facilities. You know, everything's really well thought out. And I think, as you said, there no sports really being left out, which is, is, I think, is quite good in terms of if you're an athlete looking forward to going to university, you know, if you're a minnow sport, that you're still going to have a nice changing room. Yeah, yeah. They've, uh, like I said, Nebraska has done a phenomenal job on really putting a lot of resources into the student athlete. And that's from football all the way down to lesser known sports. So yeah, just make sure that we are providing them with whatever resources they need to be successful you know, in the classroom and obviously on the playing field. Yeah, for sure. Now I'd like to get into a couple of little projects that you may have been doing with your athletes. I know you spoke about some of them. So would you be able to give some examples on how you've been able to take all the great equipment and actually apply that in a pragmatic sense? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we had an athlete coming back, actually had transferred to us with a torn patellar tendon, and he was about a year post-op. The athletic medicine, one of the athletic trainers came to us and said, hey, based on the dynamometer testing, the right and left leg seem equally as strong, right? Quads, hamstrings, some of the more basic 
clinical type testing that you're going to see. And so we said, okay, well, let's take a look at him in a little bit more of the sports specific context. So we put him into his playing environment and kind of tested him cutting off of his injured leg and off of his non-injured leg, doing exact drills that he would do in practice or in a game. And uh, based on that, we saw that he was actually avoiding one knee, the hurt knee, over 80% more than he was on the left knee. This, again, using this through our Qualysis system as well as our force plates to take a look at the kinetics and kinematics of, of his movement. And I guess as a result of that, we then talked to the athletic trainer and said, hey, look, and the strength coach and said, hey, look, the strength is there, as you mentioned, but he's still avoiding it. So the athletic trainer then created a much more dynamic protocol for the return to performance side of things. So that's just one of the ways that we've kind of taken some of the technologies and I guess, been flexible in how we're going to create an environment to best test the athlete. So it can be kind of a return to performance side of things like that, or return to play, depending on the terminology you want to use, or it could be something more performance related. How is an athlete coming off the starting blocks, as I mentioned earlier, or maybe taking a look at a technique of like a volleyball spike jump, for example, taking a look and seeing how athletes are jumping in different ways, whether they're ankle dominant, knee dominant, hip dominant, and relaying that information to the strength coach, as well as taking a look at the technique and breaking it down with the coaching staff to see if there are some other ways that they could benefit from that information as well. And has that taken a while to get that, you know, you see the information, has that taken a while to, I guess, be embedded and taken on board by the coaches? Because I'd imagine at first it could be a, the coach may be taken a bit back saying, well, I know what I'm doing here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think first and foremost, you have to, we're, we're here to help, right? And we're here to provide these teams and these coaches with whatever they need to succeed here in Nebraska. I don't think that you can just start off and meet with a coach for the first time and talk about kinetics and kinematics and physiology and all these things. I think they just kind of need to get to know you from a personal level, mm -hmm. sit down with them, have a coffee and just say, hey, how can we serve you? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. As they see you around at practices, as you're more involved and typically starting small, we don't just jump right into the deep end. A lot of times we'll kind of dip our, our toes in the water and, and then slowly build from there to make sure that the foundation of sports science that we have with the program is strong before we start to add some of the more intricate detail type side of things. You yeah. might see. Which is like all good coaches, it's all about relationship building, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And I know you did, you were talking to me about another validation study with Elite Form, which was a simple study, but if you're able to run through that about what you did with the system, since obviously very apt that we're here at Nebraska and Lincoln with the company. Yeah. So we have quite a few Elite Form systems here that we use throughout our athletic department. And one of the things that we wanted to say is, say, okay, it's great that we have these systems, but at the end of the day, with all the technologies and everything else that's out there, I think the first question you have to ask is, is this giving us quality data that we can and should be making performance decisions on? Uh, the reality is there's a lot of snake oil out there. There's a lot of information and data that you can get from different technologies in any respect of sports science that is maybe not validated and not reliable. And I guess kind of the way we thought of it was if our coaches are going to be making performance decisions off of this information, then we need to make sure that information and that data is quality data. So what we did was we actually validated the Elite Form system here within our lab 
We used our Qualysys cameras to use that as our gold standard and break that down. And what are we seeing with that compared to what the Elite Form system is giving us on peak power, average power, peak velocity, and average velocity? And so we paired that up for six different lifts, power clean, deadlift, bench press, back squat, front squat, and jump squat, kind of the six major lifts that you typically would see. And then broke it down across a wide variety of, of velocities, a whole range of velocities. So we wanted to see how it was, not overall, but how it was across the entire velocity spectrum, really, of these lifts. So that data should be published here soon. And we yeah. found it to be quite reliable and quite valid. And for me, because obviously, as you know, I use Elite Form quite extensively as well in, in my own uh, facility, the, the Academy of Sport. And we've been trying to, to get onto this work, so it's quite nice to, to be seeing the work that you've done that says the system is quite reliable when you, we try to compare stuff against the gold standard and what is a gold standard. I think you've done a really good job there. So that's quite good to know that the system's actually given us good, reliable data against a wide spectrum of velocities from you know your slower lifts of a bench press through to a jump squat and then also breaking that down within the different uh, speed bands within a lift. And within your lab, is there anything new that you're looking towards working with? Well, I think we're always just trying to make sure we're trying to stay ahead of the curve. So each one of us, respectively, having different backgrounds, I think we're always kind of trying to dive in and making sure that if certain ideas are coming through, then let's make sure we're kind of on the front end of that or try to be anyway. At the same time, I think having kind of this multidisciplinary approach within a lab has been really beneficial, at least for my standards. I'm certainly learning from them, but I think it really helps for myself as kind of more the physiology trained individual to speak with the biomechanist and kind of talk about how our areas interplay when we're discussing individual athletes or teams and how we're training them and that kind of thing. It just really helps with the communication and the understanding of performances so multifactorial and multidisciplinary that I think when we only look at it through one lens, that's like looking through a keyhole and trying to describe the outside world, right? So we need to look at it from so many different areas and that's what we try to do here yeah. and just in closing any advice for graduates coming out there when the resume is coming across when they come to meet you aside from having a great knowledge base what do you see that they need to be developing yeah it's it's funny that you say besides a great knowledge base because i think that's actually where a lot of the in my opinion i think that's this bridge that we talk about of bridging research to the real world I think that the knowledge base and a large portion is there, and these academic institutions are teaching the content, physiology or biomechanics, whatever it might be, and that's how it kind of has to be. I think one of the reasons that that bridge has been so difficult to build for a lot of people is because in the academic setting, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to teach context. And I think what you're going to have to do is really have these I guess my suggestion would be to get out in the field and go to practices, talk with coaches, be there and see how these ideas and content and everything that you're learning in the class is actually being applied in the real world. Because the reality is, is it's not very clean sometimes. Um, and we think about how things are done in a research lab setting and everything is controlled. You can control what you can control out on the field. And you've got to do your best to get that quality data that a coach can make performance decisions off of. So I guess it would just be get out there, get your hands dirty, and try to understand how you can take the content that you're learning in the academic institutions and applying it onto the field. Yeah, it just reminded me of a great story, and sorry for me digressing here. Uh, there was a 
you'll find I have no problem with yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, a, there was a person I worked with uh, in, in a hockey program back in Queensland and well, he did skill acquisition and he was trying to tell the athletes, this is how you've got to do it. And the athletes kept saying, it's not going to work. And, but, you know, it's going, well, no, according to what I've learned, this is how it should work. And then he actually tried it himself and found out that, yeah, what the textbook said, he just said context, didn't, didn't work well with this group. So to further his learning, he actually started taking up the sport. And that helped his understanding or taking the content and put it in the right context uh, and being able to deliver it much better as a practitioner. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think sometimes we overthink ourselves. I, when I was at the University of Tennessee, um, I actually worked my way through college by working in facilities in the athletic department. And I remember one, we used to put down the basketball and the volleyball courts. And those are really heavy pieces of wood. And I remember one day putting it down thinking, this is so difficult and this is very hard to do. There must be an easier way. And so I proposed, hey, let's try this new way, thinking that I had the key. I had the ticket to figure out the best way to do it when these people had been doing it for 20 plus years. And they, of course, they thought through everything. <laughs> so they let me try it that one day and it was a complete disaster. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot of times I think coaches are far ahead of the science and they see things with their eye. Maybe they don't know exactly what they're seeing, but they can say, hey, look, something's wrong with Chris over there. And we can maybe define it and quantify it and add to that. But yeah, it's funny when you get to the context side of things, it's, yeah. it's a little bit different. And I definitely think also that when I started in the, in the coaching industry, you know, we didn't have AMS systems, we didn't have, you know, much fancy stuff. So you, you learned off coaches who learned from just using their eye, their yeah. coaching intuition. And I do think without getting your hands dirty, you lose that skill. And that's one thing that you don't develop. And that's something that I always say to aspiring strength coaches or any coach or any type of uh, scientist is, you know, get your hands dirty, as, as you said. I think that's really important. Yeah. I think another thing is, is that the reality is, is that we're not always the most important person in the room. And I think that that is sometimes lost in the overall context of sport of, there, the reality is there's a time where the strength coach, time in the year where the strength coach is maybe more important than the head coach. And there's a time where the athletic trainer may be more important than the strength coach. And there's a time where maybe somebody else at that performance table um, should maybe kind of be put on a pedestal over others. And that to me is kind of this ever-changing performance model, right? The, yeah, that's a good point. Kind of how it works, right? Yeah, very good advice. So keeping it short and sharp, Thanks for your time. Look, really appreciate it. You taking time out of your day to A, show me around the facilities, which, you know, I think are just absolutely fantastic. So well done there. If anyone uh, wants to follow you, what are your socials so they can um, see what you're up to? Yeah, uh, really only on Twitter is uh, at Chris W. Bach, B-A-C-H. And then my email is just cbach at huskers.com. So those are really probably the two best ways to, to reach out to me. Fantastic. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And thanks, listeners. Uh, tune in next week to Snippet Sports Science. Remember, we're on our socials at Snippet Science. And also, thanks again to EliteForm.com. Thanks for listening.